Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. And now we are putting Europe in the spotlight because it holds two major elections this month. First of all, in Hungary, where Nationalist Prime Minister Viktor Orban scored a fourth consecutive landslide win in Sunday's election as voters endorse his ambition of a conservative, illiberal, a non-liberal state and shrugged off concerns about Budapest's close ties with Moscow. While in France, voters will soon decide between Emmanuel Macron and a new, likely more extreme leadership. Now, under normal circumstances, such contests would be nationally focused affairs driven by domestic factors such as the economy, immigration and the response to the pandemic. But Russia's invasion of Ukraine has changed all of that. Yet we are seeing a changing world order, it seems. Let's find out more now with Dr. Tai Daolu the visiting senior fellow from the Department of Strategy and Policy at NUS Business School and uh, what all these, you know, what, what ha- what's happening in Europe and what it means for us here as well in Asia. Doctor, what effect is the conflict in Ukraine having? Let's, let's look at this first in the European area. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Um, so the, the direct impact that we see is that energy prices and commodity are rising right now. And I suspect that it's likely to increase further if the conflict persists. And uh, recent headline inflation hit just about 7.5% uh, last month in the Eurozone. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, high energy prices are probably stay, uh, are going to stay higher for a prolonged period. And right. it would put pressure on food supply and and food prices, and um, so rising inflation that we see now in the Eurozone and global political uncertainty may actually impose constraint and further constraint and limit the policy space that the European Central Bank can take to mitigate the effects. Okay, so these are all similar, well, sort of similar things we are also seeing here in this part of the world, Doctor. Now, EU leaders are, of course, set to debate what they say will be fresh sanctions on Russia after uh, atrocities in Ukraine that were revealed a couple of days ago. So how have bans on Russian imports and exports affect trade and the, the potential impact of supply chain disruptions caused by this conflict? Right. So the the, the recent bans on Russian Im, uh, import and ex- export, uh, in my personal opinion, it may play a very small role. And Partly because of the increase in energy prices was uh, was due more to the political tension and not so much for, uh, because of the ban per se. What I mean by that is that oil and natural gas exports uh, have been quite a thorny issue so far in uh, within the union, and there's no serious unanimous concern on what to do with oil and gas exports coming from Russia. And partly because some member states of the union are more heavily reliant on uh, Russia energy than others. So, look, uh, seeking for consensus on this issue has been quite difficult. Mm. Uh, just to give some number into perspective, uh, the European Union uh, recent data uh, it suggests that the import coming from Russia is about 150 billion per year, 150 billion euros per year, which is approximately over 200 billion Singapore dollars at the current rate. And of which 70% of all the imports was for oil and gas. Mm-hmm. So, so there, there are explicit bans on Russian imports, but effectively um, the European member states still rely on much of the imports coming from Russia. 
Mm. Now we've been talking about um, you know goods and, and and stuff coming from from Russia, right? And and right now let's turn to look at the currency because Kremlin is now warning um, the West, right, that the ruble for gas uh, model is now a prototype. <laughs> right. So, so what can, um, what must the West or the EU do, right, uh, in terms of its fiscal and monetary policies, um, to to get Europe through this new crisis? If this is going to be, you know, how things are going to be with uh, Russia. Right. So, I think given the current international geopolitical situation and the structure of the union, actually poses a very unique challenge to policymaker right now. If we want to come out of the current crisis. Uh, European Union, like most of the nations, are trying to come out of the, of the world post-pandemic. Mm. But the, the Union uh, has a very idiosyncratic structure. To begin with, the Union has consolidated the monetary policy and trade policy, but not so much in uh, their fiscal policy. So the fiscal policy remains uncoordinated uh, among uh, member states. So a, a particular country within the union may require a different set of, uh, may require expansion of fiscal policy, while other states may actually require a contraction uh, in the fiscal policy. So in that sense, um, fiscal policy is still uncoordinated. Mm-hmm. Now, with the, with the current international conflict and um, the price of energy increasing further, it may actually impose um, certain constraints on what the, what the European Central Bank can do. What I mean by that is the, the, the international conflict is a typical supply shock. Um, it's a textbook shock in, 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 in the econ textbook. So in that sense, the European Central Bank, in this case, can potentially prolong the monetary stimulus. And, and that is indeed the case. The European Central Bank is trailing other central banks in raising interest rates. The Fed has recently done so by increasing a quarter point and the same for the Bank of England. But this, uh, this aggressive monetary policy with, within the union has to be followed quite um, carefully. Uh, what I mean by that is that the policy may actually have to be, to, be, uh, to, to, to be reversed if inflation are not to stabilize in the near future. But we'll take a further, even a further step back, right? Is this the beginning of the real end to the dominance of the U.S. currency as the world's currency? Because we know that China is trying to, you know, oust the U.S. dollar, right, as, as the main, right. uh, uh, what do you call that, currency for the world. And then now, with the situation with the Kremlin and ruble, uh, you know, running its own little economy market uh, there. And, and I, I would think that even after the, the end of the, the war, uh, Russia could continue to be sidelined and isolated for some time to come. Are we looking at the real beginning of the breakup of this U.S. dollar currency market? Oh, I, I, would, I, I would think that this is probably the beginning where we will see the, the world order where different currencies going to coexist. So I wouldn't be surprised that the, the Chinese yuan play a more significant uh, or prominent role in the future. So I would see that in the future we'd have US dollars, euros, uh, the, the yen, and then the Chinese RMB to coexist as a reserve currency. So I wouldn't be surprised that there's going to be a new order. But would you say this is the first real step? Because people have been talking about it for many years now, right? Um, so would you say this is the first real concrete development, even though it wasn't perhaps planned, uh, going to in that in that direction? Um, I, 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 would, I would say that it's the first step, but uh, I think uh, it would be more than a distraction. I think there are underlying 
uh, meaningful long-term economic forces that would lead us there, and that has to be with trade, has to do with uh, the importance of the relative size of the Chinese economy, the European economy, and so I, I think it would be a first step. But there are some meaningful underlying economic forces that would take us there. In the future. We're speaking to Dr. Tsai Dao Lu, the visiting senior fellow from the Department of Strategy and Policy at NUS Business School. Dr. Tsai, let's have a look at uh, what's happening in France. Now, French voters will go to the polls uh, in, well, in a couple of days, really, to choose a new president or to retain the current president. What's at stake in France's presidential election? Well, there's a lot of stake in the coming election. So, so France is a very unique uh, country in the sense that uh, this current election is not only important for the French, but it's really important for European Union and, and the rest of the world. France is the second major economy in the Union, and it, it's only a member in, uh, with permanent seat in, uh, in the UN Security Council. So in that sense, um, there are a lot at stake in the coming election. That, would, that can mean um, different things within the context of what the European Union represents for the near future and whether the policy that uh, it represents uh, in the in the UN. Now, if we continue to look at Macron and his future, uh, what do you think, what would the outcome be for the election um, in Europe? Because Macron has been very outspoken, but then his closest rival, uh, the far-right rival Le Pen, um, she is also extremely vocal. <laughs> so, so we're talking right. about two different kind of um, directions that France could take depending on the outcome and, you know, consequently for Europe. What, what's your analysis for, you know, the both scenarios, let's just say? So, the, the, so yeah, so the recent uh, poll data I checked is that uh, President uh, Macron is a clear favorite in, in, in recent polls. Okay. Now, he's facing strict com- uh, competition, not not only from Marie Le Pen, but it's also, which is, uh, which represents the extreme right, but then we also have extreme left, which is uh, Mélenchon. So, mm-hmm. right. So, uh, interestingly, Marine Le Pen has moderated her position in regards to uh, the European Union and what, what France would do if, if she, she were to win the election. And I, I think we, we can rule out the possibility of Mélenchon, too, because he captured 20% of the vote in the last election. And I, I think these two candidates are going to fight uh, uh, for a spot to join uh, President Macron. At least that's what the polls indicating so uh, for the runoff election in April 24th. So, um, yeah, there's, um, there's two candidates from extreme mm. right and then extreme left. So it's a, it's a very interesting mm. political scenario that uh, the president uh, of France have to navigate and try to consolidate votes. Mm. And um, let's see what what, yeah. what so Macron is the moderate. You should call himself I'm moderate Macron. Well, yes, yes, yeah. He represents he represents a continuity within yeah. the union. Mm-hmm. So, well, we will of course find out uh, how this will all end up in the French elections. Thank you very much, uh, Doctor Doctor Tai Daolu, visiting senior. Uh, fellow from the Department of Strategy and Policy at NUS Business School, joining us here on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.